I would love Oli to stay. <laughs> Are you, you know, know why? Because as long as he stays, United aren't that yeah. much of a threat. You know what? That was the first game that really finished me off, you know. <laughs> that's, that's, that was the first game. That was the game that finished me off. Sandfields. Oh, <laughs> I, I keep hearing that. Oh, it's Anfield. It's not my fault if you can't fill your stadium, in it. It's not my fault. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Tell them. Tell them. The Breakdown Podcast. So what's good, people? You're tuning into the Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by the Football Supplement. Obviously, episode 10, 10 episodes up, you know what I mean, which is quite a big little milestone for us because we've been going a couple of months. Um, so, yeah, thanks to those who have been listening. I've seen people from different different locations in the world listening and stuff like that because uh, you can see on the analytics. So thank you to those that's listening. Got T and Kofi in the building. It's international break. So, as usual, that's why we're talking about managers, because managers have been sacked. <laughs> managers have been sacked, managers have come in, you know what I mean? Um, so, what are you saying, T? I'm here, man. I'm, I'm a bit sober after the after getting hammered, you know, the ones. <laughs> you know, and ev- everyone seems to be enjoying that that victory in particular. So, yeah, man, bit, I'm a bit sober, but I'm happy we, we got to 10 and... Um, and uh, my wishes to 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 our co-conspirator on his international break as well. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy, we say Kofi. Yeah, no, we're good, man. We're good. Um, obviously, just like just like T, you know, I probably just say yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a humble, humble, you know, sort of starts the week, you know, after the weekend and all. Dominated the game, didn't get much out of it in the end just a point but we move man international break you know what I feel like it's a well-deserved break you know for our supporters man I feel like the football over the last few weeks it's been it's been a lot there's been there's been a lot going on so I think we're mm. we're due a nice break the breakdown podcast five managers gone in the Premier League before the end well, before the, inter- the international break, the last international break of this year, five managers mm-hmm. gone. Um, it's getting to the stage now. It's mad. It's getting to the stage now, I think, where, um, like, we are seeing, like, you guys always call me a dinosaur for, like, <laughs> thinking one manager is going to, like, be at a club for a number of years. But it's getting mm-hmm. to the stage now where sh- managers are like players. Mm-hmm. Managers yeah. are like so interchangeable now it's just easy dispensable isn't it and even if you look at like the clubs in question you think about Daniel Farquhar at Norwich you know um, Norwich have a very clear way that they want to play I think it's Stuart Webber who's like their their director of football and he's just kind of you can the way he speaks about it is his show Watford as well we know we're kind of already expected with Watford it's going to be what it's going to be um, I suppose with, with Spurs as well, Daniel Levy brought in Paratici, so he's kind of he's kind of running the show. So we got a little theme there already, you know what I'm saying? Where you kind of have this 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 moving identity or the shift of power, if you like, from the manager across to more club a club kind of hierarchy structure. Um, but yeah, man, that's a lot of changes. I feel like as well, um, this time last year. 
obviously it was COVID time and there was a little bit of uncertainty. People didn't really know what was going on in terms of finance, no one wanted to take risks, these kind of things. So everyone kind of sat tight. Whereas now it's like, nah, listen, <laughs> yo, we need to pull the trigger. This is the time now. This is the window. The last, the last gap where you got, a, where you got a time to come in and, and and get a bit of, you know, a window to settle in, and people yeah. pull the trigger. The main thing is there's big bucks at stake. Mm. You know, there's a lot of money and a lot of money for staying in the Premier League. The Premier League's growing, even mm. regardless of the pandemic. The Premier League is growing. Attendances are back. You know. Um, yes, clubs that's... are able, like, remember when we were saying at one point that, like, uh, clubs are going to be held back or potentially held back because of COVID through, with their spending? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Teams yeah, mm. have been able to spend, spend, you know, freely, to be honest, and the market has flowed. Yeah, some of the, the super, super names haven't, you know, you think about Mbappe and stuff, but... Um, the market's still the market. It's still cracked mm. on. Do you know what I mean? And they've still been able to do what it has to do. Um, but my thing is that's more interesting with like the thing of things of sacking the managers and stuff. Like if you look at the examples of managers who've been sacked here, yeah, it's interesting because say Norwich, say Aston Villa, let's take Newcastle and let's take Watford. Yeah, those are teams that are pretty much you know basically sacking managers to dodge relegation. Like already though. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. That's normally weird. Like you normally get people get a bit more time, but this is them deciding already after however many games. Do you know what I mean? After, like you said, a quarter of the quarter of the season, if you like, that's mm. that's sort of gone. That nah, like we can't afford to get themselves into um, a relegation battle. Mm. Yeah, I think it just shows how much it means, man. And even more traditional kind of clubs as well. You know. Um, with the likes of Villa, for example, Newcastle, these kind of sides where, you know, even when the times have been a bit sticky, they've they've stuck with Bruce Fogg for quite a while. You know, things got really bad. Um, I guess obviously the, the context with the ownership, but um Villa I was very surprised, I'm not gonna lie. I'm very I'm very I was surprised. Like I I didn't believe it could actually happen. I think in, in my mind I'm still at the you know, this time last year and I'm looking at, you know, seven twos and Greedish and Barkley and these men pulling the strings. But like we were saying offline, I suppose the trajectory has been going this way for a while, isn't it? Yeah, with Aston Villa, um, it's just a shame. It's a shame to see a good manager leave. It's a shame to see mm. a manager like that not obviously employed because he's got a good um, approach to football. And more importantly, he's a good man, like, you know, mm. around the club and stuff. He's a good man. He's a well-respected man traditional guy, Aston Villa fan growing up and stuff like that. So that was good. But I think in at this level of football now, results dictate a lot, you know, mm. and I think for you to lose five games in a row in a Premier League season is difficult, you know, and, and it's mm. not necessarily that you're getting battered by all the big teams, you know, 2-0 up against Wolves with 20 minutes to go, I think it was, lost 3-2, you know, lost against Southampton, um, West Ham as well got the man sent off, lost four one. You know, there's after the Man United one nil win, which now when you look at it, I mean, is that really that impressive? Obviously, to go to it Old, old Trafford and win is mm. impressive, but this season is is what it is, right? Mm. So, um, and I think also just the tinkering of the systems, trying the four at the back, trying the three at the back, 
the form of Tyron Mings as well. Um, Bruv, you what know, I tell you? Well, he's he's not been in good form. You know, that's bro, it. we but, speak about it every week. But you know what it is? All those England players, there's hardly yeah. any of them that are firing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like they blew their load. You know what I mean? After that Italy final, they all just completely flatlined because you look at Harry Maguire, you know, not mm. necessarily pulling up trees. Jack Grealish, he's doing okay, but he's not necessarily firing on all cylinders. You, you know, half of those players that went there, for some reason, they're not performing. But yeah, Tyrone Mings' form was a bit worrying. He got dropped mm. as well. I think you just don't, you don't get the time. You, I don't think you will get the time to, for, I don't think you get the time for us to see what you're going to do if you know you've got a run of fixtures coming up that you're just like, I can't afford that. You know, if mm-hmm. you lose five games, that's 18 points. Mm-hmm. 18 points when you need 40 to survive. 18 points is a sizable chunk of of of, um, of your points to throw away because then what it does is all those 50-50 games, they become absolute must-wins and you can't draw, you know? Oh. And I think that's what mm-hmm. people... Was there not a point where you thought, I guess, as having the investment in Villa, was there not a point where, where you thought, you know what, we're going to pull out of this just because the quality of player are that good? You know, the likes of... It's, it, it can only be so long that, you know, the likes of Matty Cash and, you know, um, Target and McGinn, you know, it, it just needs a bit of a... It just needs a bit of luck. You know, Oli Watkins just needs to get one, come off his knee, come off of his hip or whatever, you know. Um, was it was there not a feeling kind of internally within the fan base that maybe it's just it's going to take you know a bit of a, a switch of luck a, a moment for you a moment to go your way do you know what yeah I think the wider people outside of mm. the club felt that way because mm. it didn't look like anything was seemingly wrong right mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. people outside of the club definitely felt like whoa whoa like he's got enough credit in the bank you know mm-hmm. um, he's done well for the club and he, and he has done well you know he did he definitely did well when he picked up Aston Villa they were not looking at promotion at any time anytime soon they'd lost the playoff final and he obviously went in and, and just raised the expectations right but that was the view from outside of the club if you watch them week in week out that's where that's where you're likely to kind of see the people that was like, yeah. this isn't changing um, because the performances were abject. More importantly than that, it was just that there didn't seem to be a way out of it. Mm-hmm. They weren't creating mm-hmm. enough chances. They weren't creating enough chances. They were not scoring enough goals. They were playing with the partnership of Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins and they were struggling to score, mm-hmm. um, score enough goals. They were struggling to... Um, you know, kind of be cohesive. And then defensively, that decline defensively, it's, it, it's difficult because I don't think it's just the defence. It's also mm. the midfield, which is a little bit little bit more lightweight and stuff like that as well. A little bit lightweight. Um, and then I think when you learn to lose, mm. that's... Because mm. for me, that's what I was saying. To, when I was talking to you guys and I was saying, listen, I'm not sure he's going to survive. That's what I was yeah. saying. is like when you learn to lose, it means you go 1-0 down your shoulders start dropping and it's no longer a fight to get back into it. It's like, it's almost like you can tell yourself, oh, we're going to fight to get back into this game. But when you've learned to lose, being a goal down almost feels normal. Mm-hmm. You know, being a goal down mm-hmm. or conceding, it's, you start to get used to the idea that you're, you've just got to pick the ball up, go back to the centre circle, 
keep jogging about and keep doing what you're doing. And sometimes, you know, in football, we're kind of saying, oh, the players are down in tools and whatever. No, sometimes you just need a refresh. You just need a fresh manager, fresh ideas, fresh perspective. And you also need to feel like your place is in jeopardy in the squad because, mm-hmm. you know, you get that new manager bounce. And I think that's the most important thing. And that's why even just not just Aston Villa, but you look at Newcastle, same thing. Newcastle, yeah. Steve Bruce, by all intents and purposes, kind of did okay in terms of with the squad he had, with the players he had. He kind of did okay in terms of keeping them in the league or whatever. Keeping them where um, he finished, yeah. yeah. That's it. He, he did, but at a certain point, the ambition, and this is the key thing that's different for me, the ambition seems to be different from clubs. And like I said, four of those teams look like they could be in a relegation scrap that have sacked their manager. It's interesting, teams at the top. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if they would, would um, they've been as ruthless. You know what I mean? You look at, obviously we're not going to talk about Man United today in depth, but you look at Oli at Manchester United, they don't, they haven't pulled the trigger. Maybe because mm. they're more comfortable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Financially, they might be more comfortable, but teams near the bottom, maybe they're realising that, unfortunately, going back and going to the championship or being in a relegation battle, it's not worth, you know, yeah. trying to stay with this project because it's a results-based business. You can have all the philosophy you want. Once the players are not performing, something has to change. Either you have yeah. to change the people you're playing, the system you're playing, your training methods, I heard, you know, there's a term and it's going to, it's escaped me, but Juventus entered it. Um, I don't know what it's called, but it's where they go into a training camp. So because their form is so poor, yeah, they have to go into a training camp where they can't go home, can't see their families, nothing. Mad. And they literally, Mad. that's their punishment. They've got to go into one of them. Yeah. I can't Mad. remember what it Mad. is. I'll try and Google it, but yeah. They, yeah. But unless you change something like that or you change the manager, Basically, change is always going to be needed at a football club if it's not yeah. if the results aren't working. When you're doing the same thing over and over and over again, you'll end up like certain clubs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I hear saying. it. I hear it, man. I hear it. Do you, do you know what? Just on that Villa point, because I'm particularly interested. Like, what is there a reason why Dean Smith changed it to a back three? Has he has he spoken about that, or has there been any theories as to why he thought that was it? Did he not think you were defensively solid enough? Um, was there was there an attempt to 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 shift some tactic or unpredictability or or is there any kind of reason? Do you know what I I personally my theory on it is that he brought in Ollie Watkins is his guy right mm. he's, he's had mm. Ollie Watkins from Brentford right Brentford, and yeah. he didn't want to drop Ollie Watkins and then they brought in the club have brought in Danny Ings. And I feel like he felt under pressure to play both players because Danny Ings was brought in for a sum of money. And so was Ollie Watkins, who had been Aston Villa's, you know, main scorer last season. So I think he tried to play the two of them. Um, mm. But he also wanted to keep the three within the midfield. He didn't want to relinquish control in the midfield. So he ended up still playing his front two, playing the three in the midfield. But of mm. course, with Aston Villa, you need you also need to have the whip. So I think what happened was he just literally got into a space where he was prioritising playing those two and he didn't want to play a 4-4-2. If you think about it, if you've got two strikers, you can't play a 4-4-2. You've got to play a 5-3-2 or a 3-5-2. But when you've decided, we're just going with those two. And I think one of the biggest problems there is that with Ings and Watkins, I watched this live myself, they're not a partnership. Mm. They're not really a partnership. 
Ings is better at link-up play than Ollie Watkins is. Ollie Watkins is more run, chase down the ball, put pressure on people um, in the box, you know, probably give him... If I if I give Watkins five shots, he's probably scoring two. If you mm. give Ings five shots, he'd probably score three, I would say. So this it's like that partnership didn't work. Then when it came to defensively, um, I I genuinely think that he was trying to be more solid um, and concede less by playing with the three down at the back. And I think also that also contribu- um, was because of Axel Twanzebe being brought back on loan, which is mm-hmm. a strange decision because I didn't really understand bringing Twanzebe back when you've got... Um, You've got House. I think it's Corey House you got, right? Or Courtney, Courtney House. House. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Courtney House. You've got Courtney House, centre-half. You've got Tyrone Mings. You've got Ezri Consa. You're mm-hmm. good. You're good to go. Mm-hmm. You've got three centre-halves. You're good to go, right? Um, so they brought in Twan Zavi and he seemed to go straight into the squad and he's not been in great form. So then it was like, well, he can't drop Consa and he can't drop Mings and, you know, Con- um, Twan Zavi just come for the season. So I think he felt under pressure. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. He felt. It seemed to me like he felt under pressure to keep yeah. certain players in the team regardless yeah. and change the shape to start suiting those players. And I think ultimately when that didn't work, it wasn't it. Because all of a sudden, 3-5-2 for Aston Villa is disastrous because Aston Villa always have width. You know how many wingers they've got? You know, they've yeah. just brought in your likes of Buendia, Leon Bailey, El Ghazi, mm-hmm. um, You've got uh, um, Bertrand Traore. You know what I mean? You've got Trezeguet, who's out. You know, you've got you've got so many wide options, but he decided to sack all of that and put faith in a Watkins and an Ings partnership. And I think that's yeah. the that's where it started to go wrong. And when he even when he realised it was going wrong, he still persisted with it. The Breakdown Podcast. And I think mm-hmm. in some ways it's honourable because actually you should go out on your sword as a manager. But in, in other ways, it's like, I feel like he should have gone back to maybe a four-three-three shape, a more familiar shape or a four-two-three-one shape, a more familiar shape um, and, and played like that. Because another thing, and obviously we spoke about this before, um, he was playing wing-backs now in the three-five-two. Mm-hmm. Matty Cash can handle playing at wing back, but Matt Target cannot cannot handle playing at wing back. You know, mm-hmm. he's a, he's a good left back, decent left back, but at wing back, when you are the sole outlet for your team in terms of width, and your name is not Robertson, your name is not Tierney, your name is not you know what I mean Reese James or or Trent. You know, um, when you're the sole outlet, and now you got to think of it. The manager said. On the left-hand side, Matt Target's going to be our main outlet. And also defensively, he got ripped to shreds a few times. He never really got mm. dropped. He stayed mm. there. Ashley Young was there, available. Ashley Young's mm. been playing left-back. You know, Ashley Young's available. He never really changed it. And I think these are the things. Like, he needed to make calls that were more bold, but he didn't He didn't end up making it. And definitely the three-five-two system um, and the application of that um, just didn't work because you couldn't get the ball wide. If you think about it, last season they had Grealish, so yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the thing Grealish was on that left flank, cutting in, knitting things together, and buzzing. They didn't have any outlets, mm-hmm. so all of a sudden 
it was just like it was always going to be very difficult for him. And in that mm. Southampton game, he tried to change it up a bit, but going down one nil with, I think it was seven minutes on the clock or however much it was. Yeah, it's, it's always going to be difficult. So the tail yeah. of the tape really for me is that you you should have the conviction and you should have the strength to to basically trust in your system and pick mm. players based on the system. Don't pick players based on who's going to moan or whatever. Don't worry about that. You're the boss. You're the manager. Yeah. I'll tell yeah. you what to do. You'll sit on the bench if I tell you to. It's unfortunate, man. It's unfortunate. You I feel bad. I, mean? but, I, 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 yeah. I feel bad for him. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I think you're right. At the end of the day, when you look at the facts and you break it down, there's decisions that I guess don't, they, they don't really make sense. Um, and you know what? Sometimes you got to do what's right for the club. That's it, Listen, he had a good run. Yeah, that's all I can say. He had a good run. He he can't say he didn't have a go. It's like if you look at like say I know your favorite is Brendan Rodgers, yeah. But like if you look at Brendan Rodgers, he had a good run at Liverpool. You can't you can't mm. argue. At a certain mm. point, it's like you've done what you could do with that squad. You got to give it over to somebody else to see where they can kind of take it. You can't argue. Do you know what mm. I mean? So and then obviously Newcastle. Um, They've got rid of their manager. They've got Eddie Howe coming in, um, which is an interesting appointment as well. Um, mm. I think it's the, I think it's a good one. I mm. think it's a good appointment. It's a good stopgap. I'm not sure. I mean, it depends on like what angle you 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 think of it as or from. Because yeah, Eddie Howe. Okay, if I think about him, you know, he brought up Bournemouth. You know, we can only look at Bournemouth, right? Um, <laughs> The style was good initially, um, but I think it got a bit naive. And then it didn't really change it. It just seemed to me that they were just getting further and further into the rut. And he's always looked a bit defensively susceptible to me. So if things are not working up front, and obviously initially they were, you know, you had the likes of Josh King, Stanislas, Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser, you know, all these guys contributing and stuff at different points. Um, it worked out okay initially, but when the goals started drying up, and you know the football is not looking as as pragmatic, but the back door is still open. I was, you know, there's a couple of question marks. You know what I mean? Style can only get you so far. Um, so for me, when I think about Newcastle, when I think about where they're trying to go, okay, I understand a stopgap, but. For me, the stopgap is it's quite a big shift when you're looking at Steve Bruce and and the style that he used to play. Definitely, you know, pragmatic guy. You know, we we we've spoken about it several times. Five at the back and not even a a wing back system. We're looking at a flat back five, whereas you're looking at Eddie Howe, who would play a very open system. You know, his line yeah. was always high, um, and I just think about that transition and what that actually looks like in effect. In theory, the style the style sounds sounds attractive, but whether they can implement it straight away to me, I'm a, I've got a couple question marks. Um, I just think in terms of his setup, organisationally, it's not it's not the tightest. I don't get I don't get um, I don't get what's the word with him. Um, it doesn't feel tight. It just doesn't feel compact. It feels like you know every game they're in for a slug. They're going to concede a couple of goals, but we'll, we'll we'll score some. 
And maybe that's that's the right fabric to think about Newcastle win in terms of their DNA and stuff. Attacking yeah, because they, they couldn't they couldn't have gone they couldn't have gone for more pragmatism. Possibly, yeah, impossible. but but you could you could have gone for a bit of um, you don't have to be so open, you know. For me, if I, if you think about who's a, who's a kind of in between, even you know what I don't even think Martinez or Emery. Those kind of guys, I don't think they're... they're uh, Martinez, you could say, yeah, is, is kind of open, but I feel like he would have learned his lesson. He's been in... He's managed in the Premier League for a while, Wigan, Everton, um, and obviously international football. But... And Emery, he's obviously got Arsenal. I just think Eddie Howe's a bit naive, man. That's that's the that's the vibe do you, I get. Do you reckon that's the short... I don't think that's the short term, man. I don't think that... I, sorry, I don't think that's the long-term mm. guy. I think it's the mm. short-term guy. I do think it's the short... Not short-term, but... I reckon it's like you know a couple, a couple of you know the end of this season, maybe one more season, because there's no doubt about it. Newcastle will be hiring and firing managers, hundred percent, and, and players. You know, you yeah, gotta 100%. get the wave of mercenaries to come first, and then you're gonna have the wave of players who just want to play in the Premier League, whatever. Then maybe the yeah. third wave of players will be the you know the top yeah. top ones the that's gonna pro- play. And I think mm. it's the same with man, same with the managers at Newcastle. At the end of the day, like. You know, you'll get your, your, your like you say, your, your Eddie, Eddie Howes and whatever that's going to come in and, you know, come with the philosophy and ideas. But you, I don't want to call out individual players, but, you know, you know, they're defenders, you know. Yeah. And like you say, playing high up and transitioning. But one, the only thing I will say is that it might unlock more of the potential of players like Almiron, um, Callum Wilson, mm. St. Max, it probably will be a Fraser. bit more structured. Yeah, to, yeah, exactly. Ryan Fraser, to get them into to get them into the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And get them into a system. They've got Willock as well. They've got John Joe Shelby, who's a good player, but yeah. obviously needs probably more structured football than than what yeah. currently he was getting at Newcastle. So um I think I'll give them a platform to yeah. give them a platform to play for sure. But bro, we're thinking about them staying in the Premier League here. Yeah, you know, what I mean, they're they're in a realistic battle now. I think Newcastle are the only side who've not won a game, right? Yes, they not? I believe. I think so. they're, they're the only. Yeah, I think they're Norwich the only team the who've not won a game. Yeah, yeah. So, Norwich won, Leeds won. So, yeah, it's a very realistic thing. We're we're at the second, we're at the last international break now for a while, and this is really the the kind of period where if things don't change after now, you know, you're in trouble. You get in that. You get into Christmas, and you you have to have a certain amount of points on the board. Otherwise, it's looking looking kind of ominous. Yeah, um, but in their defense, though, mm-hmm. they showed quite a bit of heart on the weekend um, to get to get a point, fight back, and get a point and stuff like that. And I think I don't think they're as bad as they show they've shown this season. I I just think I just look at it and, and I think um, I agree with you. I, they're definitely not as bad as that, and I think most managers will probably come in and, and get more out of that side like you know like we talk about it quite regularly there's a lot of talent in the team um which is i guess um untapped potential but um i just think about the gamble of eddie howe the stage he's coming in don't get me wrong i think it's a much better fit if he comes in and he's got a pre-season and he's got a foundation and a bed to kind of implement his ideas and the foundation and these kind of things but where he's got a limited period of time now and i think just that that period, the last season for Bournemouth is stuck in my mind. <laughs> it was just abject. It was just it was just they were a bit wimpish. I'll be honest, yeah. they were a bit wimpish. 
Um, so I think I, I get it. Don't get me wrong. Um, he's obviously got Wilson there. He's got Fraser there. And, you know, it's a it's an obvious kind of link up in that sense. But it's a big gamble at the same time, man. And yeah, but know, do you know I'm what? I would. I like. I'd like. I like his options a little bit. Do you know what I mean? I like Willock. Mm. I like the idea of having Willock, mm. Longstaff, um, John Joe Shelby in there. You could because I still feel like you can get a tune out of John Joe Shelby 100%. in terms of in a structured role. This guy's got the passing range that's sweet. So you know, as long as you protect him, you know, you got like you said, you, you got you got players in there. Um, you got Murphy in there as well. Mm. You got there's a, there's a few players that you think mm, okay. Okay, we we can we can do something. I tell you where the problem is going to be though is that if his first few training sessions he starts telling them to start playing out from the back immediately, <laughs> you know, like you said, that's the problem. You know, I think that's nice. the, the difficult. Yeah. It's a difficult bit. Good thing he's got two weeks to work with those who are not internationals at mm. the training ground, but I think it's going to take a bit of a bit of time. Do you know what mm. I mean? But obviously that leads into kind of like another sort of discussion or areas and that like it's like is there merit to saying give a manager time like you know a lot of the times like nowadays it's like no give him time like, give them mm. time like you got to give a manager time like what do you think about that statement like give a manager time yeah um when do you think it's a it's 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 reasonable for a manager to, to be to, to not do well but still get like a vote of confidence mm. it, again it's, it's very difficult to answer simply um there's no blanket answer for example i think there's i think there's there's really obvious bad fits right i think there's some obvious bad hires what comes to mind immediately is like uh basically what comes to mind immediately for me is like Frank De Boer at Palace. You get yeah. what I'm saying? Like that that's the kind of thing which is an immediate bad fit because if you look at the the fabric of of Palace and where they were coming from and what they're trying to achieve, it wasn't the jump was too significant in what they were trying to do. And also you've not got somebody coming in who has that level of experience and who's done that before. It's a very big gamble. Um, so I feel like there are some obvious bad fits and maybe that's just a bad hire from Palace. But generally, I'd like to look at it as as anyone, you know, doing a normal job. Me doing a job, you doing a job. When you go in there, there's certain things you have to get used to. You have to adjust, you have to build your relationships. You think about your, your day-to-day, you have to get used to things. There's, there's often different ways that clubs operate. And, you know, for some of these top managers as well, there could be a you know language barrier, these kind of things where you have to kind of assimilate quickly and don't get me wrong football is obviously a different a different game there's a lot of scrutiny there's a lot of money involved the breakdown podcast but you know for example let's think about uh somebody like Klopp last season six home games lost in a row Liverpool in, in a rut you know a couple of people were you know starting to make noise you know um but that, that's just a team in, in, in bad form that, that just need a bit of, they need a, a new idea. They need a new, a bit of invention. They, they they need a bit of luck and these kind of things. And you can tell the manager's got a way of playing. He's got a foundation. It's been successful before. And the, the, the transition doesn't look like a, doesn't look like a bad fit. It doesn't look like, oh my days, you know, 
all of a sudden Jurgen Klopp's a bad manager. It's just periods of time sometimes. And I feel like some 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 people are a bit trigger happy with managers, man. They need they need a bit of time. If it's not an obvious bad fit and you've got confidence in your hire, um, I feel like everyone should get a, a bit of time to embed their ideas. Otherwise, you're gonna you're, you're gonna be moving like Chelsea. You're gonna be moving like Watford. You know what I mean? Um, so for me, yeah, you should always get like a, a good bed, a bank of a bank of time to implement your ideas. Mm. But I, th- I think, like you say, like say say the Watford and the Chelsea one, the Watford one works. <laughs> It works. You could say so, yeah, yeah. You could say so, but with with, 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 the, with the Cisco one, I mean, I don't really understand it because he was one of their more successful managers in terms of win rates. You know, yeah. It's just, it's just the, the turnover is just it is what it is. Yeah. Um, at least with at least with Chelsea, if you, if you go on a if you start to lose three, four, five games, do you know what you're in for? Yeah, regardless, I, club I think that's what's com- that's what's changed. That's what's um, muddied the water a little bit, right? Because you have got teams like like it's, Chelsea's a classic example, right? You're gone. Like mm. you can win the Champions League and still not get the the manager's job the next season. So it's one of those where you know I think that's because people have seen an alternative model, and obviously this used to be levelled at mainly like mainland Europeans. That you know their clubs would hire and fire, and the Premier League just followed suit eventually um, with that and stuff like that. But I, I you see for me, yeah, what what the value judgment for me on a manager is what a manager is trying to do mm. is what they're trying to do likely to happen in the next three, four, five games. That's that's the big question. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Is what is 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 what the manager's trying to do likely to happen? And if it is, if it is, we'll keep him on. But if mm. it's if it if if what the person is trying to do, Ronald Koeman at Barcelona, he could manage there for ten years. It's not happening. <laughs> very very simple. Koeman yeah. there ten years. It's not happening. Do you get what I'm trying mm. to say? And mm. I think that was the more that was the more telling. Um, signs of it where it's just like that's where a manager shouldn't get time but I think mm. if a manager if it's not to do with their tactical approach if it's not to do with the personnel um, if it's it, like I think it has to be like you said bad fit to begin with so I, it makes me think that poor recruit poor choice of manager in the first place yeah, is often the root cause of why you're mm-hmm. just going to be like you know and then who's making the decisions to hire such people do you know what I mean? If I put, um, if I think about it, people who probably didn't fit certain philosophies or whatever, it'd be like, for example, let's say Nuno and Tottenham. Mm, yeah? yeah, great. That's a great example, yeah. It doesn't, pra- pragmatism is not what was, you know what I mean? It's not what was promised kind of thing. Um, Especially after sorry, pragmatism. Exactly. It's not what they, it's not what they wanted. It wasn't going to get the best out of their players and stuff and, so I think at that point you can quite easily sack a Nuno because he's not, you know what I mean? He's not delivering. Um, but certain managers might have more credit in the bank than others in that respect. Mm. And I think that's where you've got to do it. Because like you say, Chelsea, good model, you know, very successful and stuff like that. Other clubs, it's, it's a bit more difficult for them. Do you get what I'm trying mm. to say? So I think nowadays um, it is a results-based business. But from a club perspective, you got to have good football people in there that can spot the signs of, hold on, what these guys are doing in training is awful. 
what these guys are being asked to do doesn't make sense. I think when the manager is telling the players what to do and lining them up from training them properly, when he is training them properly and those players just aren't carrying out the instructions, different story. But if the instructions themselves, you're thinking, why have you done that? What are you doing? Kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? I can think of maybe a Roy Hodgson at Liverpool. The I was fit, thinking that. It's just I was very thinking that. Sometimes yeah. the fit is just not great to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, one hundred percent. I agree, and I think you you hit the nail on the head in the sense of, you know, if I think about Nuno, Nuno to me is not a bad manager, but Daniel Levy made a bad choice. The breakdown podcast. Yeah, yeah I think I think my personal opinion would be that. It just depends on how much how much credit they've actually got in the bank. Number one, um, so if they've come off maybe a title a title win or they've won a trophy the previous season or whatever, I think that that should give them enough credit in the bank to at least try to recover the situation. If they were on a mad losing run, um, you look at Mikel Arteta for example, the FA Cup win. All of a sudden they go on a really bad run, and because he's won the FA Cup, people are now trying to give him that extra bly. Well, by people, we're talking about the board mm. at Arsenal. Um, but I think all in all right now, I can't I can't even say that people being trigger happy. I, I think in this day and age now, this is what football is. Football is a results game. And I think, Mark, as you, as you were alluding to with Villa, um, you know, you, you can't lose five games on a bounce and expect to still be in the job. I mean, we were talking about Daniel Farker. Um, a good couple of weeks back, and the, we were saying that the writing was on a rule from from then. We felt that he should have been gone ages ago. So for him to, it's a part that he got removed <laughs> after getting a win. But I think ultimately, I don't, I, I don't even think the win even changed even changed anything. I mean, Brentford are actually in a poor spot of form themselves right now. So it, it was kind of like pay, you know, paper over over the cracks or whatever you want to call it, but. Um, yeah, I think if you're talking about whether they're trigger happy or not, no, nah, I think they're just doing what needs to be done. Um, you talk about Premier League survival, but you got to do what you got to do to, in order to stay in the league. And if it means chopping the manager, you got to do it. Yeah, it's mad because, you know, when I think about this question or I think about like when you're talking about managers, yeah, and you're about managers yeah. either getting time or not getting time, I, I think about someone like David Moyes, yeah, and that's just the mm. most interesting thing to me because I was having a conversation with a few people who are Man United fans or whatever. And they watched, obviously, West Ham beat Liverpool on the weekend and were like, nah. And they're looking at West Ham's form and they're like, do you know what? Right now, I would take Moyes. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, it's, and it's interesting because Moyes didn't get time at Sociedad. He didn't get time at Manchester United. Even the first time, his first spell at West Ham, he didn't get necessarily time. And eventually he's come back and he struck gold. And it's like, he's probably the one person that you can point to and say, potentially he needs time because he he had an Everton team. He did what he had to do. And now he's got, mm. yeah, now he's got this West Ham side. He's been able to mm. set up. And it is a David Moyes side. There's no there's no two ways about it. This, this, this yeah. is a David Moyes team. This is how... He would have eventually wanted potentially Manchester United to play. 
I have a different opinion. I feel, I feel like Manchester United could never play like how West Ham are playing right now and be happy. Even if they were winning that way, I don't think they would be um, ecstatic at doing that. Um, because again, you're giving up too much advantage. But for a club like West Ham, the main, most important thing is just winning right now. Do you know what I mean? They're looking decent. But if you look at it, Moyes is a bit of an advertisement for whole for the whole, like, don't just write a manager off and give them time. He is, man. He um, he's, he's definitely a, a long-term manager. Like what he did for Everton, you know, was 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 on the borderlines of exceptional. He he pushed the boundaries with them over a long period of time as well. Um, don't forget as well with West Ham, he had a bit of a a trial run, didn't he? He came in before on a short-term contract, mm-hmm. he left, and then he's gone back, and it's taken him a while. You know, we we seen with West Ham, um, some of the players, the caliber of players. I think Kofi was saying it last last time out. Like the good players they've had there, um, um, what Arnautovic and you know the likes of Payet, these kind of guys, top top players. You know, look what Payet's doing now. You know what I mean? Look look, look at where Marko Arnautovic has come from, and these kind of these kind of players. Um, who who am I forgetting? Who's who's the winger they they signed from Italy again? Um, Felipe, um, what's his name? Felipe Anderson. Felipe Anderson. There you go. Thank mm-hmm. you, bro. Yeah, man. The talent there, you know, ridiculous. They've had a lot of talent through the doors, but Moyes has finally got a team to kind of work in that fabric. But it's taken him a while. It's taken him a, it's taken him a while, man. And now, you know what? Fair play to him. Fair play to him. He's, he's stuck at it. But I think the thing is there, the thing there is you need, you need someone at board level who's like, no, 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 no. This guy, we can see what he's trying to do. There's an imprint there. The training, the training methods, it's not... This is something that is like uh, workable. He, what, what he's trying to do, where he's trying to take us, we can actually see it. We can envisage. We can envisage it, rather than, you know, he's not trying to get us to play some different brand of football that none of the players can resonate with. Um, you know, oh, because they like, fought relegation. That's the that's the funny thing. They actually did. They they fought relegation. Mm. You know what I mean? Going into a, a, a last day thing with Aston Villa. You know, a couple of seasons ago, that's where he, that's where he's come from. Yeah, 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 literally, literally, and that's what he's about at the end of the day. So fair play to him, man. That's a proper old school manager. He's doing his thing. You know, he's he's got the team playing well, and he's got them competing um, whilst he's in the Europa League. Yeah, it's key. But whilst obviously whilst we're here, we might as well see, might as well just 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 round up by talking about your boys on the weekend, <sighs> Liverpool. Yeah, M- might as well just get it out of the way. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> you know what? Um, we spoke about this last week after the Brighton game. Um, Klopp mentioned he mentioned he talked about some players' um, body language. He said he wasn't happy with it. And um, when I think about the game yesterday, uh, I think that despite your injuries and you know absentees, whatever. I don't think Liverpool ever imposed themselves on West Ham. I think West Ham were very comfortable out of possession, which is how they like to play. And I think um, for long periods of the game, they, they just actually played into West Ham's hands, essentially. Um, and that's credit to Moyes because he, he, you know, thinking about it, how they set up, he's got his bank of four and then you've got your Suchek and your Rice, who, you, you know, are very, very solid in front of that back four. And what you want to do, ideally, is avoid that 
avoid that wall, basically. Get the ball wide. We, we've spoken about this. We've spoken about this more recently. And we talked about how some of the, the sides who are performing optimally now, Chelsea, you know, City, Liverpool, um, up until a few weeks ago, um, are getting the ball wide. There's rotations. There's there's inventive play where you're you're stretching the play and and, and you're you're getting the ball into dangerous areas and, and you're punishing sides there. But Liverpool fell into a trap yesterday. Um, they tried to play centrally. It didn't work. They lost the ball um, on several occasions. Oxlade, Thiago, you know, key moments. Fabinho looked off of it. Henderson looked leggy. Um, you know, Money. Robertson. Right, yeah, Mane. Robertson looked. I mean, Mane. Mane wasn't wasn't terrible. I don't think, um, or he definitely certainly wasn't the, the worst of the bunch. But um, I think when I, when I look at the likes of Robertson and getting into certain areas where usually he's delivering the ball and it's it's you know it's an assist basically. You you know what's coming. Uh, he wasted several opportunities in, in in good areas where Liverpool had fashioned space for him to work. Um, he just looks off it, off it, man. Looks off the boil. Allison, you know, for me, like you, you just need to be stronger. And even if, even if before it even gets to that, why is there no one addressing Antonio? Why is there no one like, you know what? We can see Antonio there trying to cause an issue. Let's get someone in front of him. Abandon whatever you're trying to do because we know West Ham are looking for set pieces. We know that's that's what they thrive on. We know that's that's how. That's how they've been getting results and scoring goals. So, um, do something about it. But there was no proactiveness, um, and I think that kind of sums up Liverpool's performance, man. So, well done to West Ham. Um, Fournals was excellent. Antonio was good. Um, I think Rice and Suchek were solid. You know, um, and I thought actually when Ogbonna went off, I thought, ah, do you know what is that going to affect them? Hmm, maybe we can exploit this kind of thing but you know fair play to them they were resolute man um what they did worked well the, the counter attack they they sliced liverpool um punished them and yeah man you know what it's been coming i'm not gonna yeah. lie uh it's been coming because you're tuning up against brighton last week you're 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 you're, you're not winning the game at anfield that's a that's an issue Wh whichever way you want to say it brighton are a good side but you, you're not if, if you go up if you go up against them um, you, you need to be delivering. You know, it's happened a couple of times. Uh, Atletico, AC Milan getting pegged back. City getting pegged back. You know, there's leads that are, that are kind of being, or, or, you know, Liverpool are in positions where they can take advantage and they're being pegged back. Um, so there's there's certainly an issue there in terms of compactness. And yeah, man, that, that result was coming. The West Ham, West Ham's organisation is mad though. I do. I, I have to strap them on the organization, man. They, they're really compact. They let you have the ball wide. They don't mind you crossing it in because they just back themselves. I like how they get into their shape, and I like how they attack. To be honest, I like it, man. Antonio, you know, he's, he's a little bit of the kick and run about him, but it's effective. Say what you want to say. Say what you want to say. <laughs> what's your term? What, what's, what's your term for him? It's kick and run, man. <laughs> It's kick and run. Say your turn, bro. Say your turn, bro. Listen, I'm, I'm not into <laughs> online slander, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the guy the guy is effective, yeah? Ball over the top, ball in between. But do you know what? There were a couple of moments I was interested. I saw, I think, um, I don't, can't remember. Oh, Jared Bowen. 
was one on one with Van Dyke, and Van Dyke pretty much just sized him up and took the ball off him. And I was mortified. I was so angry. I was like, <laughs> "Why would you do that?" Like, yeah. there's there's something about people just saying these name brand players. Oh man, you, it's Van Dyke. You know, you can't go. Yes, you can. You can't go past him. Yes, you can. Like, you you definitely. He's a defender at the end of the day. Any defender one on one the attacker has the advantage. It's as simple as that, yeah? So you have to try what you need to try. Let him let him make a mistake or something. Then all of a sudden, I see Antonio one-on-one, you know what I mean? And him do, and, and at least he did something, turn inside, outside, and laid it off um, for the goal. Um, but again, it was just that transition from, from West Ham. When, once they smelt blood, and you know, it's like, as soon as Antonio, as soon as he sniffs, as soon as he knows that that ball over the top is on, he's he's gone. Do you know what I mean? And you have to be strong. But I think Van Dijk did do well in a, in some of those one on one duels. He did show his quality a little bit, to be fair. Because many a player that dives in there, many, 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 and you see Van Dijk in a lot of those situations. And he doesn't normally, you know, he doesn't normally dive in, or he doesn't normally get chopped all over the place. So I think he, if it wasn't for him being in there, if that was another defender in there could have been even more. Do you know what I mean? Because there were several breakaway moments where, you know, West Ham was just on fire. And I just liked the fact that they were so organised, they were so calm, but then they actually went and stuck it on Liverpool. Mm, mm. That was more yeah, encouraging yeah. to me. Mm, mm. Their yeah. link-up play is really good. Their link-up play is really good um, when they counter-attack. And you can see it's, it's the drills, in it? They're waiting for you to get sucked in. And then Bowen's off, Fournals is off, Ben Rama's off. Antonio is spinning in behind, you know what I mean? So you can see it's it's, it's well rehearsed, it's worked at. Um, last season, they, was it last season? I think they did it against City very well. And I, I remember it very, very well. But obviously then it was Lingard who was linking up with Antonio. But there's always that kind of, that drill where they know, okay, cool, we win it here, right? I'm peeling off here. He's making a run there. Um, and they punish sides, man, like you said. So fair play to him. And the set pieces, bruv, like some good deliveries in that but obviously like you alluded to it, like Alisson and um, Antonio but I felt like the, the first goal was a foul personally I thought that's not you know you blocked his hand from being able to punch the ball you know what I mean I feel like that's a foul I don't I don't, and I, I don't think that has a big bearing on the outcome of the game because of the way obviously the tactics played out but um, I thought the first goal was a foul I enjoyed Zuma's header I personally enjoyed that one <laughs> I love that. His goal, back post, you know what I mean? It was just, it, it was good. Mane, though. Sadio Mane. Yeah, your guy T. Yeah? He should have buried that last-minute header. The Breakdown Podcast. Yeah, he should have, man. That, that was actual pain. When I saw that, I, I, when I saw him creeping in back post, He's quite, he's quite good um, in the air. But oh, when I saw it go wide, I was like, oh, "Love it, love it." That was, <laughs> that was the day. one. That was the one. I was gonna say, lads, have you actually watched that header back though? Have you watched it back again? Have you watched it back? Yeah, yeah. That, that it, it, it wasn't a black and white easy. white shot. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't it was easy. easy at all. So like, I, I have but, to kind of blame him. In that sense, in it, because he's normally good with his head, though. He's normally, yeah, he's normally he good in the air. Now, he is, yeah. You know what it is, though? I think they showed an angle where it, I, I can't remember who it was in front of me. I think it was Dawson, or was it whoever, yeah? It's jumped in front of him, 
And as he's coming down, the ball's then revealed itself to Mane as Mane is trying to move on. So Mane's anticipating where the ball's going to be. And then where the ball's eventually come, his body shape is all over the place. Mm. Because obviously where he's anticipated the ball dropping, it ended up elsewhere. So therefore his execution was just all off. In my head, I was just thinking, if this guy didn't even go in for a header and went in to go and try to control the ball, he probably would have scored. Mm. But I think, like you guys said, I mean, for for him anyway, you think it go at a chance, 90th minute, you know, it, it's just written, the, the script is all written there, you, you get me, like, just to try, you know, still, you know, two points away from West Ham, take, you know, share, share the spoils, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. but you know what? West Ham, they did themselves good, they did themselves justice. I think they've kind of, you know, pushed the monkey off their shoulder as well because I think Liverpool have just been spanking them at the London Stadium since they moved there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, I think this is their, what, this is West Ham's first win in mm. six matches Six matches there since they moved there against Liverpool as well. So, like, yeah, man, it needs to be done. And you could tell there was, a, there was an extra determination as well from Moyes and Co., um, you know about the game. Ways made it made it very clear in, in the in the in the week that you know they didn't do so bad their last outing against Liverpool, but you know they want to really really show what they're made of this time. Um, Zuma came out post match as well, basically confirmed everything that you guys have said. You know they they knew that Liverpool were going to play high, so therefore they had to get ready for those chances to break on them, be really really concise, get the runners in this, that, and the other. So, yeah, they, they were really, really prepared. And, I mean, I echo everything you guys have said. I, I love the look of West Ham, man. Like, there's, there's one thing saying that, yeah, we're going to plan to do this in the game, but actually executing in, in the manner that they, that they did, yeah, it's just very admirable because there are teams that have been there and tried to do it against, you know, the teams that Liverpool and just haven't been able to, you know, even even pull a punch. So, nah, it's good. It's a win. For me, obviously, I like pragmatism, man. I enjoy pragmatism. For me, it was a Mm. win for pragmatism. Yeah? I enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, it's it's Liverpool losing, which is always, for me, as a Man United supporter, it's always lovely to to see that. (laughs) It doesn't happen often (laughs) these days. But, on a, mm. on a serious level, it's good. It's good. It was just good to see pragmatism. It's a good to see a team playing a different way. Do you know what I mean? Another team that's playing a different way that's having some success, um, kind of doing it that way. Because like it's, I think one of you mentioned, like the build-up play is also very good. You know, the build-up play is good. They're not necessarily just hoofing the ball. They will keep it when they need to be able to keep it. And um, it just just looks like everyone knows their job. They know what they have to do. And this is it goes back to what we were saying earlier, just in the conversation, just about like sticking with a manager with the right principles you know sticking with a manager with the right principles um, believing in that manager and backing that manager you know Um, so someone like David Moyes for example if he went on a little run where he wasn't winning games for example I don't think that West Ham would be so trigger happy to, to, to let go of him because again he's got something he's got something going do you know what I mean he's got some credit in the bank you know he's a good manager now. You've seen that he can he can do what he has to do. And the profile of the club of West Ham fits David Moyes currently. Mm-hmm. You know, um, If they're to get this takeover now, <laughs> that's different. It might be a different story. But for now, 
the profiles they align kind of thing and I think that's the telling thing right sometimes when you've got other interested parties that are not maybe not football people and they're just purely looking at the the spreadsheet or whatever and looking at what's going on and saying what the money or you know or you know this is we're okay we've got Premier League status it's different but when the profiles match I think that's the perfect synergy and that's when you say, you know what, this manager can afford to have a few bad games or whatever, and no one really question um, question their their thing. It's a bit like Arteta and Arsenal. Like I think you mentioned Kofi earlier. Like Arteta and Arsenal, kind of about about right. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think, but I think the profile wise and club wise, Arsenal are no longer one of the big. Do you know what I mean? The big sides anymore like that. Um, Arteta. You know, like like an FA Cup. That's what Wenger was doing, right? In his last few few seasons mm-hmm. at Arsenal. Um, so again, Arsenal could have sacked Arteta. They didn't sack Arteta. Seems like quite a decent decision at the moment. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Like, um, yeah. so it's just it's just weird. When I think when if the I feel like the more ambitious um, people are probably more trigger happy with their coaches. I don't know. That's just my theory. I don't know what you guys think about that. No, I guess that what you're saying makes sense. Um, I think the theory is always going to be, yeah, depending on what, you know, the club's ambitions actually are for that season or for the fourth cup or for the season after or the rest of it, they expect that they, they will probably likely expect there to be, you know, strong signs of improvement um, or strides to be able to actually you know, fulfill those um, aspirations going forward. And if it looks like they're not going to even cut it, then yeah, they might as well cut their losses. I. And do you know what? And that could, you know what? That could be delusion as well. So when I'm saying that, like their expectations could also be complete delusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just if yeah, it's no, there, then the pressures. Do you know what I mean? A certain club might feel 100%. we should be doing this, we should be doing that, and then they just do you know what I mean? They might fire a manager. And still go down, or might fire manager still not it still not work kind of thing. Hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. And then you know this is this is why I now you know even start looking at someone like Rafa Benitez at some point. I feel like he's going to be under the cosh. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I guess if if you're looking at each manager's objective at the start of the season, I mean we never know what that what that really and truly is. So I don't know what Dean Smith's once probably was at the start of the season. I don't know what his what his goals were, um, but I mean, once you once you <laughs> once your team starts showing or doesn't show um, any sort of signs of you know real fight or or um, progressiveness in the game, then I mean the Ryan's on the wall. I mean, it's not much you can actually really do obviously going forward and you can't really have much faith um, in a project or in a team that just doesn't seem to be giving you anything and um, obviously I'll end off by obviously saying this is why I believe that Oli will probably likely get sacked you know before the end of the season Um, if he doesn't obviously good for him and good for the rest of us but um, if it continues I just can't see how long he stays in the job 